everybody. We are live. We are back. Um, we have an abbreviated version of the A-Team today. Uh, we've got Sam Mellinger right here, Blair Kirkhoff right here. I'm Brooke Pryor in case you've forgotten because we haven't come to you guys live since what, the loss in the AFC Championship game? That's right. Since, our last since, one. Since, uh, since January, uh, whatever that date was in January. Yeah, only a few things have happened since then. So, uh, <laughs> didn't feel a need to give you guys any updates. Uh, no, but this is, we're happy to be able to, to finally come together and talk with some of the biggest storylines that have happened over the last week specifically. Um, free agency has been open officially for a week, really about a week and a half since the legal, legal tampering period began on Monday. Uh, about a week ago, actually exactly a week ago, Eric Berry was released. Um, out of a lot of other moves, um, we've had some Tyree Hill news, as you all know. So let's start with let's start with free agency because I see you've got the chief story right here. Is right, that your free agency story that, that we ran in the paper today that we need that I need to refer to because there has been so much movement, yes. so much uh, comings and goings with the Chiefs and. Look, the Tyreek Hill news uh, more recently has overshadowed what I thought was monumental news of yeah. the previous week. Uh, Justin Houston, D. Ford, Eric Berry, especially. Yeah. I mean, that is that is a tectonic shift mm -hmm. in you know in the personality, not just the production, but the personality of the defense. And um, I think I read it for one of you guys. Sam, may have been you in, in, in your minutes. Um, it all started with the defensive coordinator switch. Yeah. I mean, that was the first big one. We haven't had a chance to talk about that. Right. But Steve Spagnuolo uh, coming in to replace. Um, yeah, to become the new defensive coordinator, and since then the changes have just been—it's like one a week. Yeah. Major, major news. It, it is the kind of makeover that I think a lot of us thought they should have done. And, and it was, you know, a year ago they said culture change, but it was basically just Marcus Peters gone for culture, uh, Derek Johnson gone for old. For age. And, yeah. and then that'll fix everything. And obviously that didn't happen. I, I, it's just, um, you know, applause for them doing it this, like, thoroughly. I mean, this is, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not just like, so it's three out of the four. You talk about, like, biggest names, personalities, whatever. It's three out of the top four on that defense, mm -hmm. like by far. Uh, mm -hmm. Chris Jones is the the, the last man standing, and, and he'll get a big contract, right. we expect, um, relatively soon. But it's it's not just that, and that's enough on its own. Um, you know, and it's not just the defensive coordinator. Every coach on that staff is new, with one exception, and that's Andy Reid's son, who is switching position. He, he was mm -hmm. a defensive line coach, and now he's essentially, they don't call him this, but he's essentially the assistant linebackers coach now. Right, right. Because Matt House is sort of the associate defensive coordinator, right. you know, in a lot of ways, and, and Britt is going to be sort of his assistant. So it's, you know, um, I don't know if it'll work. None of us can mo know if it'll I mean, work. it can't get worse. But they are trying. Like, they, it, it won't be for lack of effort. So right. what's the comment? What, what's the comment on all this? I mean, it is... You, you said it just a second ago that maybe sh some of this should have been done a year or so ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but now it's all getting done now. Is, is this the Chiefs responding to 31st ranked defense this close, you know, over time, maybe a coin flip away from being in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Is it all of that? I mean, is what, wh why is it fin it's financial considerations are paramount in this as well? Mm -hmm. I mean, what what's um, I mean, what's going on here? I think it kind of starts with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I think yep. that 
this they know that the Super Bowl window is open and the defense was largely why they didn't get to the Super Bowl this year. And so now they're trying to do everything they can to beef up that defensive side to match the offensive firepower that they have on the other side and the tone that's set by Patrick Mahomes. And I think that a huge signal for that was when they signed um, Tyrone Matthew, Byron Tyron. <laughs> We've been told that to Byron Tyron. <laughs> Tyron. Yeah. Tyron Matthew it rhymes with Byron. If you ever get confused, just say Byron and you can go Tyron off of that. Um, I always went Tyran when he was I know, in college. I, Honey Badger is just a lot easier. The Badger. He's going to be the Badger. The Badge. I like the Badge. The Badge. (laughs) (laughs) But in signing Trey and Matthew, dang it, Tyron Matthew, (laughs) this is going to happen frequently, um, I think that that they were trying to give the defense its own version of a Patrick Mahomes, its own version of an up-and-coming defensive player that's really going to lead the charge leadership-wise in the locker room, on the field, and kind of be the face of the defense. And so I think that that's what – they're trying to do, and that's what kind of this this shift signaled is, you know, they got rid of of two guys, Barry and Houston, who were older. D. Ford, younger guy, but didn't want to spend the money on him. And now they're bringing in another young core for the defensive side to kind of match the young core they have on the offensive side. You know what's interesting? Um, this is a little bit of a tangent, but you said, like, D. Ford, younger guy, and that's true. He's not Justin Houston and Eric Barry. But he's two years older than, than Matthew. I think that's right. Yeah, Matthew's 26. You know, it's just, 26, it's, it's, yeah. It's just it, it's weird how the, the um, you know again he's not <laughs> he's not old but he's not young right and he's I think and I think Tyron Matthew is still young mm-hmm. um, I, I think that um, you're right like the first thing you said is the truest thing you can ever say about the Chiefs that it all starts with Patrick Mahomes um, that happened a lot faster than the Chiefs expected <laughs> they, yeah. they thought there were going to be some some growing pains so they had a year almost not a year to waste but a year of like a buffer to see you know what, we really want to make it work. Like, we've talked ad nauseum about how loyal Andy Reid is. He loves Bob Sutton. Bob Sutton, as a man, is incredibly well-respected inside that building. Um, as a coach, you know, maybe not so much, but they, re- they really wanted to make it work. And that was their way of, okay, like, if, if it's not going to work in 2018 after, you know, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that Gary Gibbs left you know, right, after right. the the 17 season, like we're going to make a little bit of changes. Marcus Peters, I think, you know, t- to get the voices out that they thought were distracting, you know, give it one last try. But gosh, I, I really believe this. If they knew that Pat was going to be as good as he was, I think they might have done this a year earlier. And, I really do. But don't you think there's a little bit of a risk here? And you know, a team that was 12 and four won the division for the third straight year, got to overtime in the AFC Championship game, and it basically you know, reforms its defense. Yeah. I mean, just one side of the ball is going to be, I mean, how many, we can we can figure it out, how many starters are going to return from you know, the AFC yeah. title game. Uh, more than half are going to be replaced. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of a roll of the dice, isn't it? And, and let, me, let me say this yeah. real quick. I, I didn't mean to insult Bob Sutton earlier. Great guy. I, yeah. said I forgot his name. I didn't forget his name. I just, I, I didn't mean <laughs> that as an insult. I, yeah. Bob's a great guy. I wish him, insults of Bob Sutton, I, starting, with, starting with Sam. I, I wish him good uh, luck in Atlanta. I really do. Yeah. Um, a saint. I, I will really miss talking with him. He was mm-hmm. a great. Oh, my gosh. Terrific guy um, to talk to. God, he was and great. I, and I think he's, a, I actually think he's a brilliant coach. And yeah, great. He's, he's very professorial. But at some point, the message wasn't getting through anymore. It wasn't working right. here. And it yep. wasn't going to. Um, they made a lot of personnel changes um, too after 17. It was more like lower level after Marcus Peters and Derek Johnson. But remember that, and a lot of this was that that personnel was garbage at the end of the 17th mm-hmm. season. Remember that, how much they were playing uh, Darrell Rivas? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know some other guys that just didn't have any business. Um, I, I think it's a little bit of a risk. 
um, like anything's a risk, like not doing anything is a risk, right? But I the, the reason that they feel like it's safe is the trust. We just talked about how loyal Andy Reid is. He's still loyal to Steve Spagnuolo, too. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a big... Andy's been around long enough. There's, there's a lot of guys he's loyal to. Yeah, and I, I think he feels uh, a level of trust in Spags that it's... I think the way that they look at it is... Um, I don't know if this is going to be 10 steps forward, but I know it's not going to be a step back. It may just be mm-hmm. a half step forward or a step forward or two or whatever, but I'm sure that it's going to be forward. That's how they, they view it, I think. And he's got some, he's got a lot of the leadership. Some every every coach in some way, um, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I've always thought this: every coaching hire in some way is a reaction to the last guy. And sometimes you swing the pendulum really far. Mm-hmm. And you know, like Andy Reid was a reaction to the 2012. That's stability. That is experience. That is a guy that's done it. You know, um, we've got some talent, and I'm here to be the adult in the room and get this thing level and everybody pulling in the right way. And I think that Steve Spagnolo is a reaction, not just in the relationship that he has uh, with Andy, but one of the things that he is going to bring is accountability. And I don't think it's a coincidence that, um, again, that, that it's all new coaches and it's all like Spags guys, because Bob Sutton had very few of his own guys. He, when that, he that took gets the job, forgotten when he took the job, that was it was not his. He didn't bring his staff with him. He, I think he only brought one, and it was like a quality control mm-hmm. guy. Eventually, there were more. Um, why am I blanking on the, the outside linebackers coach, um, uh, DeLeon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, was it was a you know he had a relationship with with Sutton. There was um, you know maybe one or two others, but that that was Emmett Thomas. That was you know Gary Gibbs. That was Al Harris. You know it mm-hmm. just it wasn't it wasn't Bob guys, and I think that makes a difference too. So the rea- when I agree with you with the the um, uh, a, a new coach is mm-hmm. you know you try to find an improved an improvement over you just fired a coach right so you you want an upgrade yeah. and, and you're right I especially see it in the colleges where totally um, when when a coach is fired especially in football you're looking for the exact opposite totally. in terms of person personality and um, uh, and, and drive and, and so we see it all the time and. I think that's especially true here with uh, with Spags. Yeah, it was really interesting talking with Spags back in that first teleconference. Feels like it's been so long. I th- it really might be less than a month since we've talked with him. Um, but he was just really fiery and energetic, and mm-hmm. has a really thick. Was it is it a Boston accent? Something New England. New England. New England. I think he's New, New. I think he's from Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah. It's we need Linworthy to translate some of the things <laughs> that he's saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I was just really. Um, pleasantly surprised by how engaging he was and how thoughtful he was in his answers. And that's not to say that Bob Sutton wasn't. They just have two totally different styles in how they communicate. Bob was, um, (coughs) uh, as, how do you say it? Like, if you just read what Spag says and you read what Bob says, they're both similarly, like, deep Mm -hmm. and want to answer the question. Spags just does it in a more like sort of energetic, right. um, how would you say it, like charismatic yeah, sort of. Yeah, I think he's pretty charismatic. More energy. Right, exactly. There's more energy. And that was something that I talked with Brendan Daly. It's actually funny the way that all of this worked out. Brendan Daly, new defensive line coach, run game, defensive run game coordinator, I believe, is, is the other title that they're giving him. Um, I talked with him at the Super Bowl when he was there with the Patriots because he had this connection with Spags, um, work with him on the, on the Rams staff. And he said that the thing that makes him so good is just the way that he communicates with players and the way that he connects with them and just this ability that um, really endeared his players to him. And even though the team was terrible the year that they were together, 
he said that he just felt a unity and that was all kind of headed up by Spags. And I think that that's something that this defense really needs that they maybe didn't have at times last year, that there was a disconnect between Sutton and the locker room and that what he was saying just wasn't translating to what they needed to, to do on the field. I don't, I don't disagree that, um, that, that there was that disconnect. I, I think we saw it in the performance of the defense. But I'm always a little um, skeptical, and, and maybe I've evolved in this way of thinking, when I hear uh, coaches talk about forming uh, some sort of family feel. Or, you know, the, <laughs> They're all you know, the brotherhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it is a business. It's a tool for co- – that, that family thing is a tool for coaches. But it's, <laughs> it's not real. And we're, so, we're talking about this at a time when the NCAA tournament is running out players with family on their, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, on their warm-up me. jerseys for uh, all, all the teams. So it, 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 is a, it is a cold, hard business, as we're learning here the last few weeks with the departures of, yeah. you know, Justin Houston, Eric Berry, D. Ford, and and uh, Chris Connolly, and yeah, and and uh, more to come. I yeah. mean, there will be other free agents yeah. who we thought of part of the Chiefs family who will right, no yeah. That be. list that I have of guys who still haven't yep here we figured go. out where they're going. Jeff, Jeff Allen, 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 Allen Bailey, Bailey. Kel- Kelvin Benjamin, Jordan Devy, Orlando Scandrick, Anthony Sherman, DeAnthony Thomas, Spencer Ware, Sharkandrick West, Frank Zombo. Out of that list, who do you guys think is most <laughs> likely to be back next year? Anybody? If, if anybody. Um, I don't know that there's anybody that yeah. I would just like the Shermanator. bet my life on. Yeah, um, oh, they, they signed uh, Aaron Rupkowski, fullback, played at OU. I mm. think he got a, a future. They really like Sherman. Um, and he's a he, Pro Bowl fullback. Yeah, and he's not going to cost that much money. He showed some versatility. I think this matters. Because Demetrius Harris is gone, right. Sherman's showed—he's not going to be their second-string tight end. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But he showed some versatility in being able to do some tight endy right. sort of things. Cut the I, wheel route touchdown. Remember in the yeah. season opener? Yeah, that was it. Couldn't forget it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, West West and Zombo. Oh, God, they, that was a good throw. West and Zombo. They brought back, you know, in mid-season or right. late in the season yeah. right. you know, for injury to replace yeah. injured right. players. Fifty-five man roster that they were. Essentially, <laughs> 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 yeah. That's what that was. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I. Um, I hope Alan Bailey's back. I, I think the price is probably going to mm. rise up a little bit too much. I, I think he's a good player and, more importantly, a good locker room guy for us. Yes, he's, he's a, a good great talker. quote. Um, Skandrick, gone. Um, D'Anthony Thomas, Thomas probably gone. gone. Spencer Ware, gone. I think he's gone, yeah. Um, I could see West and Zombo being a 55-man roster again. Mm. Kelvin Benjamin's interesting. Um, I haven't talked to anybody there about what that, – that, that was basically a tryout. Mm-hmm. Not just like the games, and he didn't have that much of an impact. Um, he had what the one play that should have been a touchdown. Yeah, and the throw was a little yeah. off. Are we talking about the same play in Seattle? I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think more importantly, the games are are obviously important. But I think they were kind of trying to judge him on what he was looking like during the week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I haven't talked to anybody in the building to know yay or nay on that. But that's an interesting guy. Like um, you could see a situation where. Uh, Demetrius Harris goes, and Kelvin Benjamin's not a tight end, but sort of a, you know, th- there's a little bit of a hybrid. He does have the size. You know, he does yeah. have the size. I loved him coming out of college. Um, yeah. I loved him out of Florida yeah. State. Yeah. So, anyway, that, that's an interesting out, yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Allen, I would expect the price to. He's a good locker room you know. guy, so it's, you know. He's great. He'd be also, great Also, great get on back. Twitter. He's, I have my <laughs> yeah. Twitter alerts turned on for him. He's, <laughs> he's really funny. Jordan Devy, a guy that, that came in and played – 
a little bit before he tore his pec muscle. Yeah, remember he came in to replace Mitch Morris. When right. Morris went out with a concussion. Debbie only, I don't think he finished the first game. No, I don't played. think so. And that's no, when, and that's, that's when, when Austin Ryder right. appeared on the scene. And, uh, he had a great year. And then yeah. you think about where he was in training camp to where yep. like sort of his stature finished the year. He, he made a ton of progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's it'll be interesting to see what the Chiefs do. But I think let, let's go back to the the guys that they cut and the way that that they were cut, traded, whatever, because going back to it being a business, it was kind of an unceremonious release for Eric Berry, um, a situation where the Chiefs just kind of tweeted it out. You know? you know what's interesting about that is if he would have had surgery, he's on the roster, and the Chiefs don't have nearly as much cap space. Mm -hmm. When he didn't have surgery, and which meant basically that he's healthy, healthy, um, that means that they could cut him and save the money. But I think the Chiefs expected him to have surgery right after the year, and then they're stuck with the deal. Because at that point, you can only um, save, I forgot, a million and a half or two million. Right, it wasn't much at mm -hmm. all. It, it's just an interesting thing. And, and Eric Berry didn't do that to get released. He, he wanted right. to play. He right. wanted to right. stay. Um, that guy believes in this family thing. Mm -hmm. and, and he's been here for... What like eight years? Nine, years? Ten, I think. nine years. Was it yeah. was it ten? I think so, ten. So this was his eighth, ninth, ninth season. season. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he kind of does believe in that, and he's one of the. If it is a family, he's kind of one of the dads. <laughs> um, for sure, for know. sure. But it's, I, it's I, just an interesting. I'm sorry, but it's just a, it's just an interesting thing that people expected him to have the surgery. He would have been completely justified having the surgery, and if he had the surgery, he's still on this team, and they owed money. I found one of the. Um, it was an interesting reveal to me, gauging fan reaction to Eric Berry from like beginning of the season yeah. through his, you know, when's he going to be back? Yep. You know, with the, is it going to be midseason? They can mm -hmm. put him on our, you know, until the end. And um, I, I think that helped cushion the blow for Chiefs fans to yeah. lose him because nobody knew anymore. They just didn't know, right. you know, what his health status was and when he played, would he be you know, 90% of what he yeah, was right. at his peak. And uh -huh. I think that helped Chiefs fans get over losing a guy who I think we all agree will be in the ring of honor. For yeah, sure. that, that was going to be my next question that I've, I've seen on Twitter and I've answered some questions about it. But what is Eric Berry's legacy going to be here? I mean, are we going to see a statue of him out front of Arrowhead? Where because and, and because of how this ended, how does that impact you know, what he'll be thought of long term here? I'm going to say this, and I may regret it, okay. like, really quickly. Because uh, I haven't thought about this until you just said statue. But I don't think he'll get a statue. I don't, and if I can just say it, I don't think he deserves a statue at Arrowhead. No, not, no. You know where he might get a statue? Children's Mercy Hospital. Something like that. I could yeah. see something like that. Of, of Because I feel like when you talk about his legacy, I think it's he's a terrific player. Like, you know, I'm not trying to, like, push that into the background at all. Right. But I think his legacy, the way that people are going to remember him um, in Kansas City, is more about like the kind of man that he is it's about um the cancer it's mm -hmm. about like that that to me is how he's going to be, be remembered which it's not a shame at, at, at all but he was also a terrific player because if, if he never had any of that other any, right, right, any right. health right. related things his legacy would be like oh my god eric berry was a monster yeah yeah and listen even w without the health related things i mean the number of pro bowls and all pros and all that stuff would yeah. still make him one of the best players, you know, in Chiefs history, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I think he'll be in the ring of honor um, no matter what 
path his career takes. Now, would he visit Dallas this earlier yes, this week? Yes, yep. I think. visited Dallas Monday. He wants to continue to play, and he'll he'll play somewhere. I do hope it's in the NFC and not in the AFC, and certainly not in the AFC West. It would be weird to see him playing against the Chiefs. It will be. It, it will be. Um, but get signed by Gruden. <laughs> yes. oh, That's where everybody's don't, going. Don't make that. <laughs> right. Yeah. He, he knows better. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com/sportspass. Let's talk about another guy who still doesn't have a new team, who was released, uh, Justin Houston. That one felt more obvious. I mean, I, th- I think as as free agency kind of went on, it became clear that Eric Berry was going to be released, especially once they signed Tyron Matthew. Justin Houston, we kind of got a sense that he was going to be released at the Combine. Um, Ian Rappaport tweeted out the Chiefs were shopping him, which, by the way, the Combine, everybody's being shopped by everybody else except Patrick Mahomes. Um, That's just kind of some of those conversations that they were engaging in. But I think that was a really serious one between the Chiefs and other teams, seeing what they could get trade value-wise for Justin Houston, um, a guy that had a massive contract. They needed to free up some cap space. So they were trying to gauge what they could get for him. Um, when it became clear that the trade market just wasn't there, they couldn't get the value back that they were seeking, they released him. Um, released him Sunday before legal tampering began. Um, Sam, were you surprised by that move? Not really. Um, he was never we, – we've been talking about this for a year. He was never going to be back in 2019 on that contract. Never. Right. Like that was just never a possibility. We, we started talking about that – in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was just, so once you go to him after the season and say, look, we'd like to renegotiate. I actually thought, I don't think there was much expectation within the chiefs or around football that he would do that. I actually thought there might be, he's got uh, a really good agent, the, the kind of agent that you don't expect to renegotiate. But beyond that, um, I felt like, look, his value, if, if, if the chiefs could get him, you know, sort of open market value or close to it, why wouldn't he want to stay close to, to the Super You know, it's a place where he's comfortable. Yes. He's, he's got yeah. a lot of friends. Um, he's got a lot of juice, as they say, in that locker room. Mm-hmm. People, like, look up to him. Um, you know, I, I, I just felt like this would be maybe a spot where, where he might renegotiate. That said, uh, I will never uh, criticize an NFL player for looking out for his own, you know, of, of right. trying to get every right. single dollar because it is not a family, it is a cold-hearted business. And, and so he may have felt like if I renegotiate, even if it's the same money, if I go somewhere else, all that money's gonna be up front and I get it now. Whereas if it's a re- renegotiation, you gotta wait for a while. And if it, if it came down to that, it's a business decision, you know, good for Justin. Right. Well, and, and following the business decision theme, I mean, you're right, what, what, what team will he go to outside of the Patriots and the Rams know. where he's closer to you right. know, a Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. Um, and and so, yes, I mean, he, he does have a great agent. And he's looking out for Justin. He's looking out for the agent. looking out for his client, right, yeah. which is absolutely what it is. Yeah. And, and that further defines what a business this is. Totally. You mm-hmm. know, that uh, 
you're just going to get the best deal for yourself. Yep. Mm -hmm. Even if, you know, if your lifelong goal is to play in the Super Bowl, Kansas City would have been the place to be. Mm -hmm. yep. I think it is yep. surprising, though, that he hasn't signed on with anyone yet, that we're into the second wave of free agency and he's still out there. He is still out there. Um, and isn't it interesting, too, now that, uh, now that Andy Reid's been here for six years now, um, there are all sorts of spots where he could land, where any of these free agents could land, that are very familiar with him. You yeah. know, the Bears, yeah. the Eagles, the Browns. Yeah. There are some teams that, know, that know everything about these, yeah. these Chiefs. Yeah, yeah we've the, got the, the Falcons. The, the, the Colts. Um, yeah. The, the Gosh, Falcons. that is crazy. I hadn't thought about that. I, my first thought always goes to the Browns because of their recent history. I mean, they've got right. Demetrius Harris, Kareem Hunt. Did they signed somebody else. Uh, that Philip Gaines. Philip Gaines, right, right. I want to say, I thought there was I another person. I think I counted person. the other day. There's five right now on the Browns roster who were uh, that, that either were drafted by or, or spent uh, – mm -hmm. Eric Cush, I think, is one of them, the drafted by or, or spent a considerable amount of time in Kansas City and mm -hmm. under, under Dorsey and Reed. They've so. just got Chiefs part two up yeah. in Cleveland. And the, and the Chiefs have some Browns players as well. Right. Um, you know, Irvin and Cameron Irvin Ryder is one of them. Is a, is a Browns guy. Awesome writer, right. So it, that, that, the way that – well, sorry, but just a quick tangent. But, like, the way that the Browns are building is super interesting to me. It, it, it's the Chiefs – it, they're yeah. trying to just do exactly what the Chiefs did. Young franchise playmaking quarterbacks surround them with just a boatload mm -hmm. of offensive talent and then maybe some defensive playmakers and see if you can make it work. The, the, the guy doing it, obviously, mm -hmm. you, know, uh, you know, has a connection here. It's just that, – that is really interesting because, like, yeah. if and when Tom Brady actually ages, like, that <laughs> looks like the next, you know, AFC rivalry. It makes me really excited because last year – it was kind of premature, but but the Chiefs and the Browns obviously played, and, and there was a storyline of Baker versus Patrick. Um, the Browns didn't have the team last year to kind of right. really help Baker compete with Patrick. But I do think that that could be the next Brady-Manning situation there if, if these two teams continue to be built the way that they're built offensively. And, uh, I mean, I oh, you, my gosh. You can throw in how you feel about uh, the Texans and the Ravens, mm -hmm. too, with their, totally. with their young quarterbacks. Yeah. And that could be the next kind of a power surge right Colts, now. Steelers, yeah. Patriots, you know. Yep. Uh, yeah, and the Colts, of course, with, with that. But that could be the, the, the next group um, yeah. as we wait for Brady and Belichick to – you know, to ride off into the sunset, or right. which we've been waiting for yeah. a dozen years or so. It's That's never going to happen. They wasn't that the when the Chiefs played the Browns. Wasn't wasn't that Freddie Kitchen's first game? Is the, is the head coach? Uh, no, it was um, Greg Williams. Yeah, Greg That's Williams right. was the interim right. coach. But Freddie was the. It was the first game after they fired. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I yeah. wonder if you'll do a. Uh, an oral history of that game. God, like probably. You know so what? So, so the Browns and Chiefs don't play. In I the just regular love oral histories that <laughs> involve Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes. And they That's don't play my in the regular. They're not scheduled to play in the regular season. No, which season is a shame that we're going to miss it by that um, much. But, but I, I, I man, I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm too am fascinated by the idea of Baker Mayfield. Is he the guy? Is yeah. he? Can he see the real deal? Yeah. I yeah. mean, clearly last season he was. I'm excited to see what he can he do with Odell enough. Beckham. He was real enough. Let's let's see. I'm That's right. Because <laughs> the, the standard for the next year is different than the standard right. for this year. Right, right. Yep. Because he kind of broke through the brownsiness. A yeah, little bit, and that, I think that's, that's right. important. That's right. That's an important thing. It's taken step. a long time for them to do that. <laughs> you think I've been... opened that Bud Light cooler. Right? <laughs> yeah, they've been in a cycle of suck for a long time. Uh, one other guy that we'll mention, and then we'll go on to um, maybe some things that could happen in the draft. Um, D. Ford traded to the 49ers for a 2020 second-round pick. Um, I put in my what it means. It meant that the Chiefs needed to free up cap space yeah. fast to be able to sign some guys this time, and they wanted some draft capital, which – we were on that conference call with Brett Beach, and he used the term, like, aggressive 
I don't know how many times in mm-hmm. talking about the draft, which I tweeted, really sounds like they're going to try to trade up, which you said is an evergreen tweet for, <laughs> for Brett Veach in the draft. Uh, no kidding. Um, but I, I think that that was a really significant move, that you have this guy that is coming off the best season of his career, trade him away. On its face, you don't get a ton in return, or at least a ton in immediate return. Sam, why do you think they made that move? Their thinking, I think, is um, there's a lot of steps in here. So, so, oh so, 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 so strap in. Um, Hold on. Uh, scheme is definitely part of it. Um, they felt like he'd be not an every down player, and $15 million for a third down pass rush specialist, I'm exaggerating to prove mm-hmm. a point, is, is a lot of money. Um, they also, I think, he would have to learn a new scheme, a new, maybe even a little bit of a new position, and yeah. they weren't sure if he would do that. Um, I didn't then, know if he'd be part of the four or part of the three. I mean, in, yeah, the, in the four that's right. three. That's right. And, and, um, and I didn't think about this until, I don't know, a few days ago. Um, guys hold out. When they get franchise tag, like guys just, that's what they do. They hold out. And so now if he's got to learn scheme, he's got to learn a new position, all that stuff, and he doesn't show up until August 10th or August 15th or something like that, then you're, you're even further behind. I just, I think that's what, I'm pretty sure that's what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. I still don't agree with it. Like, I still think, like, you know, we, I, th- I think we get too caught up in 4-3 in, in and 4-3 over or 4-3 yeah. under. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, like, let players play. And if Steve Spagnolio, to me, if Steve Spagnolo is as is, is good of a coach as I believe he is, he needs to be able to do something with a guy, you it's know, with point. that kind of talent. Right. All that said, I do think that, it's probably likelier than not that he just had his career high in sacks, that, that he won't match it right. again. And I also think that um, Patrick Mahomes inflates some pass rush numbers because y- you get ahead, you're in obvious pass situations, you can just you know pin your ears back, as they say, <laughs> and, and go after it. So I, I get it, I disagree with it, but I think I understand what they're thinking. I think Chris Jones helped inflate the numbers Absolutely. well, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, the, 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 the the bull rush that he provided totally. from the middle helped Houston and Andy Ford. Yes, and, yeah. and one of the reasons why I disagree with it is that I think all three of those guys work together. And right. D Ford was better because of Chris Jones, and Chris Jones was better because of Justin Houston, and Justin Houston was better because of D Ford. Like, you can't, you can't double all those guys. And, and now... I feel like if, if you're playing, I know Alex Okafor said, like, he's a fine player. Like, you know, nothing wrong with him. But, he's like, not D4. If, yeah, if you're playing the Chiefs, you put two guys and a chip on Chris <laughs> Jones, and what are you going to do about mm-hmm. it? Like, right. that's, that's what right. I would do. Yeah, well, because who else do you have? You have Alex Okafor, you've got Tano Passanio, and Breland Speaks. Yeah. That doesn't strike fear into many people's nope. hearts. Nope, nope, not, nope. Not in the way that D Ford and Justin Houston yep. and Chris yeah. Jones. They'll draft somebody. Trade. I was going to say, right. this will be a draft. This is, topic. I, right, yeah. I think where they trade topic. up is, and this is actually a great segue um, into what they could do in the draft. If they trade up, I tend to think that they're going to go for an edge now that they've addressed both a safety need and Tyron Matthew and a corner in Bashad Breland, finally. It feel when I saw that he got signed and, and, and confirmed that I thought, God, finally, like <laughs> I have heard so much about Bashad Breland in the last year July. or so. Yeah, it's been July. since July. Yeah. Stalked him so hard when he was in St. Joe, walking around in slides <laughs> and socks and hanging out with Bob Sutton and Brett Veach. Now they finally got that deal done. With uh, a strong chain, if I remember. With, yeah, right. there was a, a strong, strong chain. chain. <laughs> There's a strong chain. There's also a strong fake phone call. 
as he walked into the dormitory, <laughs> walking by all of us. Just Sorry, can we, guys. And you can see, like, the apps on his phone. You're like, my dude, you're not on the phone. Like, we can see your screen. But thanks. And, and like, Kendall Fuller's looking at like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> what are you afraid of right now? Um, but, well, so we'll have to ask him about that at some point. Bashan, did you know that it was a very obvious fake phone call? Um, he's here. So they've addressed those two needs. They've got the, the strong side linebacker in Damien Wilson. Um, they got Alex Okafor, but I don't think that, that they're done there with the edge. So I kind of tend to think they trade up. They're going to be going after an edge guy. Um, is, that, is that your sense, Sam? More line. Um, I don't know specifically like edge or, you know, an Allen Bailey replacement. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Breland Speaks figures into this in some ways. He was on the edge last year. He'll be inside um, more this year, part of the four. Um, instead of the three, as, as, as yeah. we have said, um, which he was part of the four last year, right? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just a, a four person. The, the other side of the, uh, of the equation. Um, I, I think what it does is it sort of frees them up to, uh, to go heavy on up front rather than the secondary. I think there was a chance that they were going to get two out of those first three picks would have been uh, the secondary. But I think once you bring in Matthew, once you bring in um, uh, Breland, you know, now you've, you're not set back there. Right. I'm not saying that. But, you know, maybe now the, the emphasis is a little bit more on up front. Now, they're going to talk about best player available, right, and, and, and their draft board. But they manipulate, as all teams do, their draft board based on their needs. Right, exactly. I don't think that they're in a position where they need that premium safety or premium corner that you would get in the first round yeah. as much as they need a premium D-line guy. I was thinking corner until this week. Right. And, yes. And, yeah. and, and now I'm not thinking that as much anymore. To me, the, the, the curious, one of the themes going into the draft will be, you know, what, what they did last year was just draft all defense, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and Beach and the Chiefs have said that was, you know, that was not intentional. It was just the way the draft board fell. Obviously, defense was an emphasis. <laughs> yeah. If nothing else, it was an emphasis. Yeah. They took all six. They turned one into an, um, you know, uh, McKinsey into an offensive lineman. But um, I think defense is going to be the emphasis again with this draft. Right. I would imagine their first round, if you know, assuming they stay in the first round, will be a defensive player. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think we'll see all defense. What are they? Is it, is it eight picks they have right now? Yes. Or yeah. Two it's, in the second. Yeah, it's one yep. in every round, two in the second. I think. Maybe we're not too far off if that's not the case. Right. But, um, uh, so anyway, I, I think defense will be the emphasis again. And, and I, I, I can't disagree that defensive front mm -hmm. uh, start scouring the, the prospects there, especially late first-round prospects. Right, exactly. I could see them, sorry, no. um, I could see them taking, if, if it's going to be an offensive player, I could see them taking a tight end. Yeah. I think they've wanted to improve the depth there for a long time and they just lost some depth. I could mm -hmm. see them doing that, maybe a running back, but I could see them, if they're gonna draft on offense, I would expect it to be a, a tight end. Well, yeah. you, you hope or you assume Kelsey's gonna be available at, uh, you know, at the beginning of camp with his yeah. surgery in the off season. Right. And, you know, they certainly will go into the off season without you know, starting, you know, without their top right. two they'll tight Right, they'll have Deion so. Yelder will be their, mm -hmm. their number yeah. one tight end, yeah. um, which, you know, I, I kind of thought that they would take a running back at some point, and then they signed Carlos Hyde um, right before free agency started, yep. officially started. Uh, and he helps address some of the depth issues mm -hmm. back there with Damien Williams and Darrell Williams and now Carlos Hyde. I still think they may add one more guy, but it may not necessarily be a drafted guy. Um, yeah, that's I, a good thing about backs, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, 
They're a dime a dozen. Um, and then we have had some questions, of course, about Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I do think that the outcome of this investigation that is involving him will have some kind of impact on the draft. And that kind of, you know, this is this whole situation is happening in the offseason, so I don't think that the Chiefs have to come to a conclusion about what to do as quickly as, you know, the Kareem Hunt situation. There's also two very different circumstances. But I think it could impact what they do in the draft. How do you kind of see that shaking out? Um, yeah, they've got to get to a point where they – I don't, I don't know that there's going to be a conclusion before the draft. Right. I don't know that. But they need to get to a point where they feel that they can make an educated guess about what that outcome might be. Um, I still would think that they would, um, even if the worst, like let's just assume the worst of the worst of the worst is the outcome. I, that doesn't change, to me anyway, I don't think that changes them from still focusing on defense. Because I think one of the reasons you hire Andy Reid and certainly then if you give him this, you know, rocket ship quarterback is that they can generate offense, you know, sort of on their own. Mm -hmm. I still think you focus on defense, but yeah, I mean, like, how could it not if it's, um, you know, they wouldn't assign Damian Williams to a contract extension if, if they still had Kareem Hunt. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it does affect other moves. Right. I mean, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe it has a, an impact what they do with uh, um, DeAnthony Thomas as well, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. You, in terms of the conversation, you have to talk about it in, if, if he's not there, right? right. And, and what, what they might do if he's not there and how that would impact things if he's not there, I think would have maybe not an impact on the dis personnel decisions, but a major impact on what this team is capable of, of doing. Yeah, the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now, when you... Correct me if I'm wrong. Tell me if you guys disagree. But right now, I think the Chiefs have three players, maybe four. Uh, I'll count Chris Jones. Four players who are in the top three at their positions in the NFL. Chris Jones, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Jones would be borderline top three. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's probably close. So, yeah, probably so. On, on, maybe on the outside looking in, but, but moving close. in that direction. Tyron Matthews, what, top five? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But those are difference-making players. Mm -hmm. right. Those are the players that separate the Chiefs. That's the difference between 12-4 and four and 10-6-ish. and six -ish. I mean, when yeah. you have that number of players mm -hmm. who are difference-making players, and to lose one, you, you can't be replaced. He can't be replaced with – you can't replace Tyreek Hill with Tyreek Hill. Yeah, the um, Kareem Hunt was a different – deal right like and and we're just talking about cold football here right like i mean let's mm -hmm. pause and like we're all adults like the most important thing is safety of the kids safety yeah, of, of everybody all right. that stuff. We're just, um, this is just like pure pure football um cream hunts a running back and he's terrific um his balance he'll make plays um jump over people i still <laughs> think about that it was the Bengals, right Bengals the, game the, the hurdle yeah, and then the, 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 the night game rush the Sunday right night after game? that yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's a terrific player, but he's still a running back. And, um, you know, Tyree Kill is, is not just, you know, a harder position or a more important position on the field uh, to play, but he's so unique. I mean, there's just not – there's not a lot of guys – I mean, Antonio Brown would be sort of like the closest deal, but Tyree Kill is so much faster, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, um, so much faster. It's, it's just it's, – it's a – it changes the play calls, <laughs> you know, it changes, changes the defense, uh, how you draw up those plays. Like it changes. Yeah. yeah it would it change changes everything. a lot. Yeah. So that's what, so as this, the Tyreek Hill story unfolds and there's still a lot, a long ways to go. Um, I, I do. And I think Chiefs fans think about that way. Well, that's, you know, that's, 
they're concerned. Uh, every we're all concerned about what might have happened. You know, with, right. with the the investigation and what the investigation might find. And um, so, I, I just I, I just assume that we're we're all on the same page there, right? Yeah. Right. And including including Chiefs fans. So that's why I, I I think of it in terms of how, you know, that being you know the case, then how how it might affect the Chiefs and how right. and what might happen going forward and and how it might change the dynamic of the team. Um, yeah. it's certainly nothing that was anticipated. It was just like Kareem Hunt on that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the Kareem Hunt day, right? That happened. The the, the discovery mm-hmm. and the action happened in. Six hours, right? It would happen. We were in Oakland. Yeah, wasn't right. that day? Yeah, it was the Friday before the Oakland. Yeah, it was Friday because oh, okay. I was Friday. still at the facility. That's yeah. right, right. Friday before Oakland, and by the end of the day, he was gone. Gone. Six, and, yeah. six o'clock. And you know what? I think it would have been even faster. I think the Chiefs were waiting for the the NFL to put him on the exempt list, right? Or else I think mm. they would have cut him <laughs> ten, yeah. you know, ten seconds after that. As, yeah. as, as fast as somebody could say, "Hey, Clark." Get on Twitter, like yeah. you know. I yeah. think it would have been that. It was fast. even quicker than six hours because felt I mean, like every minute Chief, of six Chiefs, hours. Chiefs availability was over at one thirty, and I saw Kareem Hunt like at one twenty in the locker room. Right. And so we're out. You know, we're out by one thirty, and it was just like five minutes after that the, the TM, video, came, the video out. came out. And I think uh, he and, was cut around seven thirty oh, or okay. so All because right. I was at the facility the whole time. That's and right. had That's to right. wait. You didn't, you didn't Let home. me tell you, I know how long it took because we That's had right. no food and we were just sitting there waiting <laughs> and waiting. And then right. I left and realized right. I had Oreos in my bag the whole time. Uh, <laughs> of course. This, this is different. I mean, this, right. This, this is, is different. much yeah. different. Because yeah. so the, the story that we had yesterday, Overland Park said Monday they're investigating two alleged inc- incidents, including a reported battery at Tyree Kill's home that he shares with his fiance, Crystal. That's the bulk of the information. That that's the important part right there is that there are investigations. DCF is involved. Uh, the chiefs are aware of the investigations. Nobody's been charged with a crime. That's where we are. But that's and I think that's all really important to remember that this is an ongoing thing. That we're reporting information as we get it. We don't report anything unless it's incredibly well sourced. Unless we have. Unless we are confident in our reporting. We have, you know, documents that back things up. We're not, you know, out here just reporting things for the heck of it. You know, I think what we're doing is nobody wakes up and says, hey, I hope that we're going to get to investigate potential, you know, battery at the home of a, of a Chiefs player. That's not, that's not what any of us, you know, hope that we're ever going to write. But when things like this come up, we have to address them and we have to report on them. And so that's what we've been doing. Um, and the district attorney said Monday that the investigation is still ongoing um, and we'll continue to update this information uh, as we get it. But it's, it's a long process and things, especially in the legal system, don't happen overnight. Charges you know, are not filed immediately. Investigations do not wrap up immediately. Um, and especially when it involves a child, it is even more precarious and thorough and you know, can be a slow process. Well said. Well said. Yep. Okay. Good. Uh, just needed to get that off our chest, off my chest. Um, but like I said, just keep updated on KansasCity.com is where we'll have all that information. Uh, guys, anything else that we need to address in this kind of 
ketchup that we've been doing. <laughs> ketchup, That's Hunt's ketchup. Really good. I really didn't mean to do that, but uh, by the way, the Hunt family did give Patrick Mahomes a it was a big champagne bottle, like the biggest champagne bottle I've ever seen, customized at the NFL 101 Awards in Kansas City a couple weeks ago. The front of it looked like a Hunt's bottle. The back of it kind of looked like a, a scrapbook that you would put together of like some of his moments, and it had like MVP on it and all this stuff. It was really cute, but also when I posted the picture, people were like, all right, the ketchup joke's gone too far. Uh, I don't know how much longer it's gonna last, but. What, what do you get the quarterback who has everything? <laughs> you get him a big old fake bottle of ketchup. <laughs> and, and as of this week, some Oakleys. It's, yeah, not a fan. Not a fan of the Oakleys. Not, not a fan of the Oakleys. That's not it's not my general look. Uh, but you know what? They look like very protective eyewear. They cover a large chunk of your face. You will have no sun damage. Uh, I hope they're polarized. So, so that's that's his latest uh, endorsement. Right? First NFL player to have a partnership with Oakley. Um, I'm partially Nick Foles being the first NFL player to have a relationship with or a partnership with Lululemon. Uh, he did, yeah. That happened a couple before he signed his deal uh, with the Jaguars, I believe. So Nick Foles got paid. Good for him. Yeah, he got paid, and now he's yeah. reunited with Chris Conley. Uh, Chris Conley said that was the reason that he went to Jacksonville, um, which Chris Conley could be a guy that the Chiefs end up missing a lot this year, depending on how the rest of the depth of the wide receiver group shakes out. Foles parlayed that one start for the Chiefs into uh, a huge, right. huge cut. That's right, against the Jaguars? Yeah, against the Jaguars. Well, he really wasn't very good. It wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know, good for him. Uh, by the way, we've had a lot of people asking about Darquez Denard. Um, I have been checking around. I haven't heard anything since his visit. It kind of, I got the sense that the Bashad Breeland signing was instead of Denard. Um, that was the session last weekend? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's that's kind of the latest update we have there. Um, any? Oh, by the way, it's the Chiefs have two second round picks, two sixth round picks, and no fourth round pick. That's Thank how you. we account for the eight. So thanks, Thank Jordan um, and Nathan. That second day of the draft. It is. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, let's see. I think I think that's all we've got today. Unless you guys have anything else. First day will be busy too. So trade up. Don't that on us. <laughs> I mean, it's going to happen, but... All came running in from the back room. <laughs> yes. They're up to 10. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to sign off from here. Um, it may be a little bit before we're back, but it'll be more frequent once things get going with the draft. Pre-draft. Pre-draft. We'll have some pre-draft things. Sure. Um, I'll be at owner's meetings this weekend. We'll have some stories from that. Um, so until next time, you can follow all of us on Twitter. You can keep updates. Keep looking for updates on KansasCity.com. Uh, and in your newspaper every morning. So we'll see you guys later.